Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. At our core, all of us have these impermissible feelings of being unlovable and inadequate. And until we start to feel safe enough to connect to and compassionately care for those parts of ourselves, until we do that work, we can't really have the outer successes that we long for because there's no amount of work you can do that will fill that hole. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast, a show that explores the mind, soul, science and health as we speak with world leading experts each week. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and happiness researcher. Life is not straightforward, so join me as we navigate being human together and become what I like to call flexible thinkers. I believe that curiosity and education is the route for more happiness, love, connectedness, and the doorway to unlocking your unlimited potential. I hope you join me on the journey. My guest today needs no introduction. However, I want to honor one of the most pivotal spiritual leaders of our generation. Today's guest is the formidable and evanescent Gabrielle Bernstein. She is the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Universe Has Your Back, super attractor, and has written six additional bestsellers. Oprah described her as a next-generation thought leader. She's broken Guinness World Records. She's named 11 of the most followed Twitter accounts for inspiration and the recipient of many, many awards over the last 15 years. Gabby has impacted the lives of millions around the world through her books, talks, newsletters, and meditations. And today we're going to be discussing her latest book, Happy Days, which is very different to her other work. She goes deeper than she has ever been before, sharing deeply personal stories, personal struggles, and personal breakthroughs. She shares how her childhood memories were affecting her until she bravely began to face her past. With a bright torch, Gabby guides us through trauma towards freedom and inner peace. What is a favorite quote you return to often and why? Well, I actually have an affirmation that has been really soothing for me. It's something that I made up and it sounds lame that my quote is my one of my quotes, but okay, whatever. <laughs> um, it's not as much a quote as it's just an affirm- affirmation of how I want to feel. And it's up for me big time right now as I'm in launch mode and I'm doing back-to-back podcasts and I've had this beautiful privilege of sharing this book with the world. And the affirmation is, everything is happening around me. I am truly taken care of. And why that one in particular? It was actually interesting. It was in London. I was in London when I first sort of announced this affirmation (laughs) into the world. This is years ago. I was giving a talk. And 
throughout Happy Days and throughout my entire journey, I often shared about my struggles with anxiety and my struggles with workaholism and just burning out. And that affirmation really supported me in guiding me towards what it was that I knew I wanted to be. And now I am really, truly proud to say that I believe in every bone and cell in my body, that everything is happening around me and I am truly taken care of. And I continue to affirm that because it just allows me to remind myself over and over again that all is well, I am well, I am taken care of. And right now in particular, when I'm presented with this gift of being so busy, it is a tremendous gift to be able to do this work and be this busy and have these opportunities. And in that space of of opening up to all that's in front of me, I return to that affirmation as another gentle reminder to really remember that all is well, I am well, and everything is happening around me and I'm truly taken care of. What is a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? I think that the lesson of you can do this big stuff without pressure, without burnout. The old lesson was consistently like you burned out, now you got to pull yourself off the wall. I don't do that anymore. And so it's beautiful to be in this place of recognizing, oh, you can do a lot and have a lot of fun along the way. You can do a lot and not struggle and suffer and get sick or, you know, you can really just enjoy the process and you can just take it one step at a time. I really like that because at the moment I feel like there's such binary approaches to it. It's like work really hard, burn out or stop everything and, you know, healing requires doing nothing. And neither of them seem very sustainable. I see exactly what you're seeing in the world. I see people pushing to the point of exhaustion and burnout and then pulling out so far the other way that, nope, not going to do that anymore. I'm going to push myself to this other place of just total relaxation and doing nothing. And so, you know, I think people love to use the words balance. And the only balance that has to occur truly is the balance in your nervous system. And this is such a big part of happy days. When you start to establish a steady balance within your own nervous system, your own ability to regulate that nervous system moment to moment, that is when you truly begin to know how to balance the busy times and balance the slower times. It's not about getting your nails done and you know making sure you have a massage. Yeah, that, that helps. Fine. Sure. But first of all, not everybody has the luxury of being able to do that. And second of all, we don't always have the time to be able to do all that. So what's most important is knowing in your internal system how you can use breath work, how you can use prayer, how you can use affirmation, how you can use meditation, how you can use therapeutic methods that I share in this book to soothe, calm, and regulate your nervous system, your mind, and your entire presence. If that is not spoken of enough, it's a lot of like push, 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 and then meditate for an hour. You know what I mean? It's a moment-to-moment scenario. The most important part is just checking in with my internal landscape, my energetic field, my system. How do you understand the soul? Well, I believe that we have individual souls that make a decision before we come into this lifetime that we want to learn 
experience and have the opportunity to move through, transcend certain experiences in life, certain lessons. And so the soul signs a contract and says, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to go through this and this and this and come out and hopefully learn the spiritual foundational lessons that I need to learn to become more whole, more aligned with the truth of who I am. So when that soul makes that contract, we come in and we show up and we say, okay, show me what you got. And then there's always free will. So we can make the choice of how we're going to show up for what comes up. And when we allow that presence within ourselves to be our guide, that presence of our soul rather than our ego presence, the worldly presence, but we tap into that soulful presence and we allow that presence to be the leader, then we can absolutely learn the gifts of love in this lifetime. This book really dives in to that, but you take an approach that is very different from your other books and your other work. And in your introduction, you write, this is perhaps the most vulnerable piece of work that you've ever written. Why did you decide to write a book about trauma recovery? I decided to write this book in 2016, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to write it until I was at a place of genuine recovery. Because, you know, the subtitle of this book is The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. There's no fucking way I was going to put my face on that cover <laughs> without really living that and being true to that. Throughout my journey, I've been very forthcoming about all of the different experiences in my life, but I was not aware of the trauma that lived beneath the patterns until I was 36 years old. It was 2016. And I had been sober at that time, about 11 years. I had authored six, seven books. I'd been on Oprah. I'd had all these life experiences, and I had done really good, profound, helpful, service-oriented work in the world. But all the while, I was burning out. I didn't know how I'd get out of it, and I didn't know why I was in it. And it was a consistent cycle that just built up and built up and built up. And for years, I was just managing it with this part of me that I called the controller, like the workaholic or the cocaine addict, all the ways that I would control every detail of my life was a way of protecting myself from cracking into what was underneath. And then around the age of 36, a lot of those controlling mechanisms were starting to be dismantled because I'd ran my business for a decade with one virtual assistant. It was like so sick and chaotic and it was totally unnecessary because I could have hired 15 people and I was working with one person because I had to control everything. And so around that time, my husband was leaving his job at, at, um, at the bank at JP Morgan. He'd been there for a decade. Now he was leaving private equity to come run my business. So I had to let go of the rope and sort of let him in. We were also talking about conceiving a child. And so that was another like, whoa, I'm going to be really out of control. And so a lot of those big life changes started to activate that fear of being out of control. And typically when we go through big life changes, much like marriage or childbirth, we can often be catapulted into unresolved wounds that we are unaware of. And that was the case for me. I started cracking, cracking, cracking. Every week I would have a new meltdown. I would be on the floor screaming, I can't go on like this. I can't go on like this. There has to be a better way. And then within a few months of that melting down to that extreme level, I had a dream. In the dream, I was my adult self recognizing my child self and accepting that I had been sexually abused as a child. And this was a memory that came back in a dream. 
And when I woke up, I said, no fucking way. I'm not touching that. No way. Never talking about that again. Never going to feel that again. It was the most full body knowing, but I was like, not going there. And then I was in therapy a few days later and my therapist and I were just talking about a few leading things and one or two words she said just led me into this full-blown acceptance that that was indeed true, that this wasn't just a dream. And it didn't mean all the details came back, but it came about the knowing, yep, this did happen to me as a child, and this is indeed why I was a cocaine addict, why I was a workaholic, why I was codependent, why I've been having gastrointestinal issues. This is why I've been, my nervous system has been so blown out to the allostatic load of extreme pressure, and I now have an answer. But that answer wasn't enough to just write the book. You know, I couldn't just be like, okay, now I'm going to write a book about trauma. No fucking way. I had to live the journey of recovery to be able to come out the other side and tell the story with authority. And so the reason that I wrote it now, Poppy, is because I'm on the other side. I thought it was really interesting. You know, one of the first lines you write in your introduction and you say, this isn't a book filled with self-help tools offering a quick fix for your discomfort. It's a journey toward lifelong transformation. This idea of embracing pain can be so terrifying for people. And then it's so easy to go into spiritual flight as a way to avoid pain. Why is honoring pain and suffering so important? And for people who may think there could be a box that has been not opened yet, what is your advice or words of encouragement to them to go deep and look into that? Most people have boxes that are not opened yet. They may not be as extreme as mine, but they've got stuff that they just haven't touched into. They may be very aware of what it is or totally unaware. They may have done a tremendous amount of work to push it down and, and lock it up. It was interesting that you used, um, that you were mentioning kind of spiritual bypassing because there's a lot of different ways that we push down, numb out, and anesthetize that suffering. And so much of it we don't even speak of. We don't even notice it as a problem, like work addiction. You know, you don't see that as a, as a way of running from your pain because it's so socially acceptable or even spirituality. Oh, I'm so spiritual. I'm so spiritual. But yeah, that's beautiful. It's a wonderful way to feel better. And it's something I've been writing about in eight of the books that came before this one. But what I would say is that when we are using spirituality to get above the pain and suffering, it's actually another form of running. It's another form of doing something over that deeper wound. In the book, I write about how we have all these different protector parts of ourselves. This is from my training in internal family systems therapy. And so we have these different parts that we pr that protect us from ever feeling those exiled parts. And the protectors often can be disguised as good qualities, like working so hard or spirituality or just just, you know, helping everybody else. But when those parts of us become so extreme, they become extraordinarily detrimental to our forward momentum and to our ability to really feel genuine safety in our own body, in our own life. And you include an exercise in the book to be able to explore these different parts. 
Can you talk a bit more about that? I find Part's work fascinating and blew my mind actually is to understand, I guess, the psyche in terms of these different parts of us that come to the rescue. But I would love for you to kind of like dive into that a bit more. I really do believe that one of my new missions in life is to take this beautiful work that was created by my friend Dick Schwartz and just do whatever I can to speak on behalf of how spiritual it really is and to demystify it for the masses because many people get to it in their therapy session, but we can get there and touch into it even on our own in safe ways. There's deeper work that I always recommend that you do with a therapist, and I I say that all throughout the book. But to touch into it now, we all have exiled child parts, the wounded children that have trauma with a big T or trauma with a small T. They live locked under key, lock and key in our subconscious, and we build up all these other parts of ourselves. You can call them coping mechanisms. In IFS, we call them protector parts. These protectors are there to stand on guard at all times to block that impermissible feeling of guilt, shame, rage, the feeling of grief that those younger parts carry. So protectors, they work real hard. The workaholic, the burnout, the drug addict, the love addict, the overeater, the controller, the rager, you know, and they, they may, and like I said earlier, they may not even be identified as bad parts because it's the over-spiritualized parts of us as well. That's something that Dick Schwartz, who founded IFS, talks about a lot, is that that spiritual bypassing is another protector. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong. These protectors are not bad. They're not bad at all. They're just in extreme roles. And so the powerful and spiritual practice of internal family systems therapy is to recognize that there's a internal leader within all of us. Remember, we were talking about soul. We, in this instance, it would be referenced as self with a capital S. And that self with a capital S is compassionate, courageous, calm, curious. It's creative. And these beautiful qualities of that self within us have the power to settle all the protector parts and to work with those protector parts. So the reason it's called internal family systems is because it's treating all the different parts like family members in your own inner system. And the goal that I have for this model is to help people create direct access to that part that is self, to the truth of who they are, which is self with a capital S. It's such an interesting model because, first of all, it's profoundly spiritual. For decades, I've been writing books nearly two decades, about how we have ego and that the work is to witness the ego with love and compassion and give it to our higher self, to our higher power for healing, to turn it over. I don't really think IFS is much different. It's it's witnessing the ego parts, the protectors, and offering them up for care and support from self. And so it's a profoundly spiritual process, but it's very widely well-received in the clinical space, and therefore the spiritual elements of it are all there, but they're not spoken of the way I am. And so I just think that that, that's what I'm here to do, is just sort of bring the spiritual world into understanding that their practice can go even deeper with this type of system, with this type of model. 
you write in the book, and I think this obviously also taps into this idea of, you know, these wounded parts of ourselves that need healing or just need like, you know, kind of like love and attention. This idea of, you know, the wounded self that is feels deeply unworthy. And you talk about this experience when you stood on stage helping all of these spiritual business owners. And, you know, you were there to talk about how to, you know, improve their businesses, but you wanted to really talk about how the fact that we're probably all holding unworthiness within us. And it was such a lovely story. But I wanted to ask you, why do you think so many of us struggle with believing we are truly worthy? And how do you think we can change this for the next generation? Oh, big one. Yeah, I love that story (laughs) because I'm in this, I'm in this audience with like a thousand spiritual entrepreneurs and they're all coming to be like, give me all your tools. And I'm like, here's the number one tool. (laughs) We have to feel worthy. We have to really face the parts of ourselves, the child exiled parts that feel so unlovable and exiled and they're unlovable and they feel inadequate. That's those child parts of us. And this is what I learned from my therapist, that at our core, all of us have these impermissible feelings of being unlovable and inadequate. And until we start to feel safe enough to connect to and compassionately care for those parts of ourselves, whether it be with a therapist or whether it be with a book like Happy Days or listening to podcasts like this, learning the methods to care for those child parts that feel so unlovable, unworthy, inadequate. Until we do that work, we can't really have the outer successes that we long for because there's no amount of work you can do that will fill that hole. And so the real work is turning inward. The real work are in pages of this book, the methods, the practices for really witnessing all the ways that we've fallen into that belief system or run from that belief system of I'm inadequate and unlovable. And in the case of a spiritual entrepreneur, you know, it's like. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. How many posts can I post today and how many new products can I create or what can I do, 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 do to prove my worth? And that is not in the service of others. That is in the service of numbing deep wounded parts. And so if you want to really show up in that realm as someone who's sharing with genuine, authentic truth and vulnerability and power, you got to make your inner work your highest priority. How do we help the younger generation to value themselves more? Well, I have a three-year-old, so I'm working on this in real time. 
what I work with my son on daily, and it's the most beautiful, profound, spiritual practice I've ever had in my life, is being full body present with his big emotions. Not giving him permission to, you know, do everything, not giving everything over to him, you know, not saying, yes, you can have the candy right now, whatever. But when he doesn't get what he wants and he melts down as three-year-olds do multiple times a day, instead of shaming him or shunning him or trying to redirect him so quickly, I literally hold him, sit with him in a small space and just continuously over and over again say, I understand. It's really, really tough to not get what you want right now. And I love that you're having these big emotions and I want you to have as many as you need. Just let it out. And sometimes he really doesn't like to get dressed, right? So he's like naked and like, you know, crying, crying, crying. And my husband will come in and he'll be dressed and I'll be like, how did you get him dressed? And I'll be like, because I let him feel his feelings. And that is the greatest practice of teaching a younger person resilience is to teach them to respect honor, admire, and fully feel into whatever they need to feel into that moment and allow their nervous system to settle so they can come out the other side. A child, my, Somebody said to me yesterday, when is a child's brain fully developed? I said, 21. It might even be 25. This younger generation, 25 and under, need a lot of love, support, respect for their feelings and emotions. They need to be seen, soothed, I actually wrote about this in the book. So there's a chapter called Reparenting Yourself. It's based on the Dr. Dan Siegel's work. It's truly profound parenting work. But what I did was I took his parenting work and I started applying it to myself. I was like, well, what if I could practice these four S's towards myself? Seen, soothed, safe, secure. And I asked myself, well, what are all the ways that I could see myself more? I could take more time to really acknowledge what I've done, you know, or how I've shown up. I can tap into my internal system. I can go deeper in my therapy. How can I soothe myself? I can take a bath, do a meditation with bilateral music, and just really give myself the opportunity to open up. And just making these clear guidelines for how I soothe, see, create safety and security in my own life, in my own system, and caring for my inner children, all the inner children within me. And so not only did that help me become a better parent, but it helped me become an internal parent to myself. Gosh, I think we can do that with our own emotions as well in terms of just allowing ourselves to have those big emotional moments and not, again, like suppressing them, putting them down for whatever reason. Another favorite chapter in this book for me was chapter four, Healing the Body. And you mentioned two of your inspirations, uh, Louise Hay and especially Dr. Sano. I'd love you to, if you wouldn't mind sharing more about what you learned that was most impactful for you in understanding how you connect to your body better to heal trauma. Let me see if I can find the intro where I quote Louise here. I can, if you want, I've got it here. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Chapter 4, Hiding Behind the Body. With every breath I take, I am sending love, gratitude, and healing to every single cell in my body. Yes, 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 yes. These are the words of my late friend and publisher, Louise Hay, Lulu as we call her over at Hay House. 
She was a pioneer in mind-body healing. She brought transformational metaphysical principles to the world through her book, You Can Heal Your Life. The premise of the book was that our physical symptoms are directly connected to our thoughts and beliefs. Underneath physical dis-ease is a root cause emotional condition that needs to be processed. According to Louise, if we are willing to do the mental work, almost anything can be healed. So I really want to acknowledge that that is a very spiritual metaphysical belief system, but it's also really grounded in science as well. So Dr. John Sarno was a pioneer in that mind-body connection. He's the author of Healing Back Pain. He's the author of another profound book known as The Mind-Body Prescription. The premise that both Louise and Sarno share is that physical symptoms are psychosomatic. So we have a mental energetic disturbance that often lives beneath the physical symptom. It does not mean that we don't have the physical symptoms, that they're not real or that they're, you know, that they shouldn't get cared for with medication or whatever. But it means that they also need to be addressed on the psychological level. So in this instance, uh, he really focuses on back pain, gastrointestinal issues, migraines, insomnia. And I can speak very, very, very authentically to this because I've lived it. I suffered from gastrointestinal issues for years, and I didn't have a problem with my gut. I had a problem with unresolved trauma. So the same way we use these different protector mechanisms to run from the trauma and the child parts, we do that with our body too. So from Sarno's perspective, we have this impermissible rage or impermissible fear or shame or guilt. And instead of feeling into it and facing it, we create so much tension in the physical body because the focus goes right onto the back so that we don't have to feel the rage. And so in my case, I spent decades in and out of difficult treatment and, and symptoms and horrific experiences with my gut. And the times in my life where these things were the most inflamed were the times when I was most triggered and activated. But they were pretty much consistently messed up. It was like my gut was messed up up until recently in the last three years because it really took me to truly settle my internal system to allow my body to fully relax and be at ease. And so the science behind this is that that stress response that we have to those impermissible feelings, we have the impermissible feeling, we have an immediate stress response, right? So it's like, go work, go run, go eat, go do this, go do that, anything to feel that feeling. And it's even just an internal stress response of just complete hypervigilance and just consistent feelings of fear. And with all that repetition of that stress, there is going to be a physical effect. And so in this chapter, I really give the reader practices for addressing the psychosomatic condition, for really addressing and noticing and witnessing and just becoming aware of the ways that your body may be reacting to your internal belief systems. And there's a powerful practice in this chapter called Rage on the Page. Yeah, my favorite. Even just the words yes. about I was like, oh my God, Rage on the Page. I'm doing this it's, tomorrow. It starts with, with a Sarno method, which is to really journal about the feelings. And my friend Nicole Sachs, who is really a big, beautiful teacher of the Sarno work, taught me. She, I was having TMJ, and she said, you know, why don't you just do this thing called journal speak, was what she calls it. She said, journal for 20 minutes and then meditate for 20 minutes and just let it all out. 
And so I just took it to the next level, as I always do. And I decided to journal for the 20 minutes, just religiously daily, I would do this, and then meditate for the 20 minutes. But I included bineural, so bilateral brain stimulation. So what happens is, in the book, I also write about what this bilateral brain stimulation does. It's known as EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And when we have that bilateral brain stimulation, whether it be looking back and forth with you know your eyes back and forth or tapping a buzzer in either hand or listening in this instance to music that stimulates a buzz in either ear back and forth, with that brain stimulation on either side, it opens up the brain's window of tolerance to process unresolved traumas, fears, anxiety, phobias, we otherwise may not be able to just get direct access to. So while I was writing about the rage and the anger for 20 minutes, I'm listening to this bilateral stimulation. And then I would meditate for 20 minutes and I would reprocess all that rage and anger with that bilateral brain stimulation in that relaxed state. And I got to tell you, it transformed my life. I do this every day for 40 minutes and it transformed my life. You open the book in the earlier stages and you say the journey towards true inner peace begins with the willingness to hold a vision for a new way of living. And this made me think so much because can manifesting truly work if you haven't healed the past? It's a yes and a no. My hope for people is that instead of trying to manifest a thing to numb out the suffering, do what I did and make your number one manifestation freedom and inner peace, because that's the vision I want people to hold. The vision I held many years ago when I first started out on my recovery path in twenty when I was 25 was the vision of waking up without anxiety every day. That was my manifestation for the last 16 years. So the idea of just being like, I'm going to manifest that next job. I'm going to manifest that next relationship. If you don't do the inner work, you will manifest those things if you focus on them enough, if you release enough resistance to them. But then you're there and all the old belief systems step right in and sabotage that attracting power that you have. And so it's not in any way to say that you can't attract into your life more of what you want and that you shouldn't practice manifestation tools and methods, but you should always have in the in the background, how can I feel good? How can I feel better? How can I go deeper? I wrote a book called Super Attractor. It's methods for manifesting a life beyond your wildest dreams. But what it really is, is a, me- is a book on how to feel good. Because when we feel good and we lean into that feeling of feeling good and go deeper into the stuff that we need to release, that's when we come out the other side. I thought it was really the, the nuance as well that you write here you encourage people to say, I want to feel, but instead of I want to, it's I feel X. What is the difference between writing I want to feel and I feel? The I want to implies lack. It implies that it's not possible. It implies that it's far away. Whereas I am statements, I am waking up without anxiety every day. That statement implies that it is it is possible. It's already here. Everything that we want to feel is possible within our system. We just have to release and settle all the protection mechanisms that we've built up against it. It's much like that quote from A Course in Miracles. I'm not here to teach you the meaning of love. I'm here to teach you how to release all the blocks to the presence of love within you. So beautiful. For the first time ever, you've spoken about medication. Why did you want to specifically address this? 
I believe that God is in everything. I believe that God is in the meditation. I believe that God is in the doctor. I believe that God is in the psychiatrist. I believe that God is in the medication. I believe that every step of my journey, every therapeutic process that I share in this book, every single doctor, every single healer that came into my life was divinely planted to get me to where I am today. And that includes the experience of living and surviving postpartum depression and anxiety and accepting the diagnosis and being guided to the healing path. In that chapter that's called Don't Call Me Crazy, I talk about being in the backseat of my car with my four-month-old son while my husband's driving us to Mother's Day brunch. And under my breath, I say, I want to die. And I sit down at the table with my sister-in-law, and I just burst into tears. My mother-in-law comes up to me, and she puts her hand on my back, and she says, Every new mom has anxiety. And I look at her and I say, this isn't just new mom anxiety. But because I was so entrenched in the wellness space, there's so much shame around antidepressants and medication and, and even mental illness. And like a lot of spiritual teachers are like, oh, mental health, but they won't really let the conversation go further. And I think that to say to somebody who's having a biochemical condition, you know, go meditate, that's like saying fuck you to them. Because in those moments, you can't, then no meditation will get you out. It will be a sub, it will help you later when you get on the, heal, the therapeutic path and the psychiatric path. So in my case, I just pushed it off and pushed it off and pushed it off because I was trying everything ashwagandha, melatonin, meditation, prayer, psychics, acupuncture, all the things I believed in. I was brought up homeopathic. I'd never fulfilled a prescription in my life. And so this was the belief system I lived with affirmations and. All of that works, but when you are having a biochemical condition, God needs to work with you in a different way. And so finally, after four months of near-death experience, I hit my knees and my therapist intervened, and I wound up in a psychiatrist's office. Had I waited any longer, I would have been in the psych ward. And so I'm in her office, and she diagnosed me within five minutes with postpartum depression and anxiety, and she gave me this prescription for an antidepressant. And she said, listen, You've done a lot of spiritual work. You've done a lot of trauma work. And now this medication is going to help you get to a baseline of safety in your body and in your nervous system that you've never known. And that will allow you to do deeper trauma healing. And I looked at her and I said, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And so I believe that that medication saved my life. I believe that God was in every step of that process because that medication did indeed give me a safer baseline to go to the depths of those exiled parts of myself that were so traumatized, trauma with a big T, so terrified that it was going to take a long time to get there. And I was able to fast track my way into those difficult feelings and parts because I was now safe enough to go there. And so, you know, that that parable of like, you know, you're drowning and then God sends you a, yeah. a boat, you know. And then you're like, you don't, you drown and you're like, God, why didn't you help me? And God's like, I sent you a fucking boat, you know, <laughs> like the medication was my boat. You know, you mentioned something there, which we can apply to so many different things in our life is those strongly held belief systems that we think are supporting us, but actually they're keeping us trapped in a situation, unable to see the help that is at hand. How did you be able to bend those belief systems around medication in order for you to step into that doctor's office and be able to say, thank you, this is what I need? I was on death's door. I was suicidal. I wasn't sleeping through the night. I hadn't slept in four months. 
more than one hour a night. I was having panic attacks all day long. I was having terrifying thoughts about my child or harmful thoughts. I was thinking about walking in front of traffic. I was 100 pounds four months after having a baby. I was, um, my hair was falling out. I was having extreme gastrointestinal issues. I would have died. So why I'm here speaking extremely loudly about the time, place, and season for therapeutic support and psychiatric support, yes, of course, all medication is overprescribed, but you as an individual have to trust in your system. Is this a moment where I need additional support? You might take yourself to Bali and you know meditate for three weeks. Great, absolutely amazing, but do you need more? And I'm so loud and proud about this conversation these days because so many people in our space that listen to spiritual podcasts and come to listen to you and me will not get the help that they need because of the stigmas that are built up around the medical system. I'm not going to say that this is not, there aren't two sides of this. Way too many people are being prescribed benzos and and pain meds, and it's an epidemic. I'm I'm with you. But at the same time, you cannot ashwagandha your way out of postpartum depression. You just can't. So my hope is to save women's lives. Thank you so much for your candidness and honesty. And, you know, on behalf of millions around the world, a huge thank you for being able to say that and create nuance in a conversation that can be, again, so binary in this area and so shame-filled. Before we go, would you mind finishing my sentence round? Yeah, let's do it. My inspiration is? My son. I wind down for bed by? Oh, that's a long answer. (laughs) I have a really, really committed wind down routine. I turn off my devices two hours before bed. I take a bath. I I have to put my kid down before before I go to sleep. So that starts the the process. I um, put on a PEMF mat on my bed and I lie on it to settle my body and my nervous system. I listen to binaural music. I put on a humidifier. I set the mood. I light, dim the lights like two hours before I go to sleep. I might use like a massager, like a Theragun kind of thing just to settle my body. I will maybe read a spiritual book for a few pages and then allow myself to fall asleep. Oh, I also wear really comfortable pajamas. I have extraordinary sheets. I take <laughs> my sleep hygiene to the next level. <laughs> this is so good to hear. I love that. That, that. Lots of inspiration there. The best piece of advice I was given was? A lot of the advice I've experienced in life has come from my spiritual connection, like a spirit guide speaking through me. And most recently is really don't sweat the small stuff. I really laugh when? When my kid is saying crazy funny things. Happiness to me means? Inner peace and freedom. If you really knew me, you would know? I'm really genuine. I'm really kind and really, and I really, really care about people. You can definitely tell through reading your work and even more so through reading this beautiful gift of a book. So this just leaves me to say thank you so much. The link to this book will be in the show notes and links to everywhere else. But thank you so much for being on the show. It really means an awful lot. And thank you for your inspiration over the past, like honestly, like 15 years I followed. So huge gratitude from me. And I'm really proud of you, my love. Good work. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget, my brand new safe space and community for happiness, Studio Love, launches soon. 
Our premier event is the Science of Happiness Masterclass, where you'll find out how to use a simple, unique process to transform your life in just 21 days. If you want to find out more and get on the virtual event list, send us an email at info at studiolove.us and that's in the show notes too. And I promise you, you don't want to miss this. So I really look forward to seeing you there. Lots of love. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 